been made to feel very at home and very welcome here. Um, Ju- uh, July, what month are we in? July is a really unusual month for us. We kind of um, uh, simplify everything down to just having our Sunday morning worship service during the month of July. And it gives a lot of our child care workers and our Sunday school teachers and even many of our musicians the opportunity to kind of catch their breath. Because in August, we kind of ramp things back up and uh, you know just kind of take off into the school year again. So we've got a lot of things Will mentioned, uh, a lot of things that are going to be starting back up again uh, here this next Sunday. And so I uh, also want to say thanks for those of you who prayed for a- Angie and I as we were gone this last week. Um, three, almost three years ago, I started another degree plan and thought, three years is going to take forever for me to complete another degree. I remember having this conversation with AJ specifically, like, like three years, good heavens. And uh, now I am scrambling to get all my work done so that, Lord willing, I'll graduate this December. So it's, uh, it's exciting to see the light at the end of the tunnel that I hope is not a train coming my way. Um, so anyway, that's, I was gone this week uh, taking a class and I uh, had the uh, worked out details so that Angie could go with me. So we had a, um, a, a great trip once we finally got there 23 hours late. Thank you uh, to American Airlines. I'm not going to rag on American Airlines, but don't ever fly with them if you can help it. Let's leave your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 28. This is where we're going to be looking this morning. But I want you to take out something to write on, a piece of paper, Notes in your, if, you're, if you're a note taker, your notebook is fine. Take out your phone if you don't have anything like that. You can jot, I want you to jot a few things down here as we begin this morning. And here's what I want you to write down. I want you to write down the name or names of the people whom you are discipling. Who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? Write the names down. You're a guest with us this morning, and you think, I, I'm not exactly sure even what you're talking about. That's okay. You can leave your piece of paper blank. If you were here last Sunday when we talked about the call to discipleship, you have to write a name down. And you might be thinking, Jeremy, that's a really confrontational way for you to begin uh, this Sunday morning service. Yeah, I, I'm, I actually am aware of that. I'm kind of doing it on purpose. I'm not kind of doing it on purpose. I am doing it on purpose. You're not going to share that piece of paper with anyone. You're not going to share that list of names with anyone. I'm not asking you to, after church, to share that with me or with one of the other pastors or or to, uh, you know, post it on Facebook or anything like that. But here's, here's what I do want you to consider. As you have that piece of paper there in front of you with, with a name or some names or no name. I want you to imagine standing before God and showing him that piece of paper or that list of names. I want, I want you to imagine standing before God who has given us a very clear directive. God has given us a very clear command. I mean, he said, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to leave you on earth, and I want you and your followers to make followers who make followers who make followers who make followers of me. I want you to go and make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to observe all the things that I've commanded you. I'm giving you this command. I'm giving you this directive. You have to do this thing. And now imagine standing before God someday with that list. A helpful illustration might be to imagine your boss giving you a directive, giving you a command. I want you to go and, you know, we have 
ag farmer guys in here. Go check these pivots. Go check these wells. Go make sure that the cattle are alive in the field, right? And at the end of the day, the, the, your boss comes to you and says, what have you done? And you show him your video game console. And I, I got sidetracked. I was doing this the whole time. And I know that you gave me a command to do, but I didn't think you were going to come back yet. And I didn't think you were really going to ask, or I didn't really think that you were serious about it. Or then you'd realize in that moment, you're, you're, you're not, you're not doing what you were called upon to do. Brothers and sisters, this morning as we look in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, I want us to take a new look at an old passage. I want us to see something that many of us are very, very familiar with. Many of you can quote these two verses from memory, and I'm glad that you can. And you might even be thinking, Jeremy, you've preached on this passage a time or two or three already um, since you've been here at Liberty Baptist Church, and you would be right. But I think this morning it is good for us to stop and remember what it is that God has given us to do. Most of you know that on the back of our church sign on the way out, so as you were to drive out on the, this side of the sign, it says right there, if you look out the window, go ahead if you want to, if you can even see it, it says, go make disciples. That's just a quote from scripture that Jesus gave us. So this morning, the title of my sermon is simply Make Disciples. And the main point this morning is this. You have slash get to make disciples. And you can, bless you. You have slash get to make disciples, right? You, you have to make disciples. You get to make disciples. And you can. Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to start in verse 18 and just read those last three verses for us again. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I mean, that would be a really braggadocious thing for any other human being to say, except this is God, and it really is true of him. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. All the warrant, all the power, all the authority in heaven, all the power and authority on earth has been given to me. Right? It would be like your boss looking you in the eyes and saying, I'm the boss, listen up. Go, you're going, therefore, and making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is giving them this command to go and keep going, keep baptizing, keep making disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, not only am I not only am I the authority, not only am I the authoritative one who is giving you this command that you must obey, and I'm clearly articulating to you exactly what it is that I want you to do it, but here's a promise. Here's something that's really encouraging. There's, not only is there kind of the weight of the command in the first part of this passage, but there is a joyful promise given to us here in verse 20, teaching uh, them, or, sorry, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the one who has all power and all authority that's been given to him in heaven and on earth, this power and authority that is Christ's is being uh, is encouraging to you and me as he says, I am with you always. Last week we talked about the call to be a disciple. Right? And I I use the illustration that there is this 
former Navy SEAL leadership guru guy, and he's got podcasts, and he's got books, and he's got children's books, and I'm kind of grown fond of follow, following him. And as I follow him, I end up telling other people about him. Angie and I were with a family earlier this week. We were having dinner with them, and um, they had a young son. And there were several times, the conversation was going so fast that I never got a chance to actually to squeeze it in. But there were several times where I, I wanted to ask the son, hey, have you ever read The Way of the Warrior Kid books? You need to read The Way of the Warrior. I was trying to think of a way to squeeze in um, this, this book, this, uh, you know, the fact that I like Jocko Willink, into this conversation and, and never got a chance to. But as a follower of Jocko, I was trying to make more followers of Jocko. This does happen on a regular basis. How many of you in here this morning, I know there's at least three, Raise your hand if you are wearing a brand of shoes named Hey Dude Shoes. Raise your hand. Okay, just three. Okay, Jay, Hudson, and Levi. Okay. How many of you have a pair of Hey Dude Shoes? Okay, a few more of you. I have a pair of Hey Dude Shoes. I was going to buy a pair of Hey Dude Shoes, and one Sunday after church, I didn't mean to pick on AJ so much this morning, one Sunday morning after church, um, AJ was walking out. He was wearing a pair of this. How many of you have not heard of this brand of shoes named? Okay, there's a bunch of you. I am a follower of Hey Dude Shoes, and I'm getting ready to make money for Hey Dude. Um, so I was going to order a pair, and I was like, ah, you know how you, you order a pair of shoes? You never tried them on before. You don't, you know, you're like, ah, how's it going to work? So I asked AJ. I was like, hey, I see that he's wearing a new pair of Hey Dude shoes. And I said, hey, do you like, hey, dude, do you like those shoes? Um, and, and AJ, in typical AJ fashion, he just kind of, he kicks them both off, and he says, here, try them on. So I put them on, and I was like, ooh, man, these really are nice. And AJ walks out to his truck in his socks and goes home and leaves me with, a free pair uh, to me of, of Hey Dude shoes. And I, I told my wife the first day that I had them, I said, I, I, was, I was going to bed. I said, I don't want to take them off. I love these shoes. They are comfortable. They are light. They are, I don't know if they're cool or not, but I think they look cool, right? Like this, uh, uh, um, and so then I had, I've had several times since then, as I'm wearing them, people are like, do you like those shoes? And I'm like, listen to me. As quickly as you can, you need to go and get a pair of these shoes and put them on your feet and live the rest of your life. And as you see they start to wear out, just go ahead and get your next pair. I've, I've used those words with a number of people like, yes, I love them, and you need to go get them as well. It was something that I found valuable, something that I like, and now what am I doing? I'm telling other people about it. Brothers and sisters, the call to discipleship is this. The call to discipleship is for you to see Jesus Christ for who he is. And when you see Jesus Christ as infinitely valuable, as all that your soul needs, as all that your soul is longing for, and all your, all, all, everything you're longing for is fulfilled in relationship with him, and the challenges of life are met as you have relationship with him, and as you know Jesus for who he is, you don't have to be... Um, uh, you know, you don't have someone um, twisting your arm to make you tell other people about Jesus. You just, you just kind of end up doing it, right? You do this with your grandkids. Yeah, you pull out your iPad and you start showing me pictures of your grandkids, right? I don't even know your kids, and I'm looking at pictures of your grandkids. And I pretend like I care when you show me pictures of your grandkids. But, you, like, you're not, you're, not, you're not trying to convince me of them. You just love them, and you're telling other people about them. 
This is what we're called upon to do. I usually preach with an iPad, and I have paper up here, and I, I'm, I'm like trying to scroll my paper ahead. Uh, that's not going to work. Point number one this morning is this. You, you have to make disciples because God commands it. Point number one, you have to make disciples because God commands it. Now, let me, let me uh, I'm just going to let you know right now, it's going to be convicting before it gets encouraging, okay? There is hope. There is encouragement coming, but I want us to feel what I believe is, uh, should be the conviction of this passage. Unfortunately, we view our involvement in discipleship like so many other parts of our Christian life. We think of it as optional, and some of your papers prove that to be the case. We think it's just something that we can do occasionally, or it's something that the pastors do, or it was just, I've, I've heard this argument, this was just for the disciples, and I'm going to prove to us that this was not just for the original uh, disciples. That, but, but some would say, well, this is, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he gives them this command, and it's not for us today. There are a lot of different ways that we want to try to soften and excuse. We want to look around at other Christians, right? Comparing ourselves amongst ourselves, we become fools. But we want to look around and say, you know what? Like, man, I'm not really necessarily making disciples, making disciples, but I'm making disciples. I mean, compared to everybody else, I'm probably making disciples. Brothers and sisters, we must change our thinking regarding discipleship. I think some of us have a bad definition of what discipleship is in our minds, and we need to be corrected in that. Some of us think that we just can't do it, that we don't have the personality for it, we don't have the skill set for it, we don't have the time for it, we don't know how to do it, and so, yeah, I might walk into the kingdom someday and be a little disappointed at first, but I'll get over it, because, right, there's no, there's no tears, there's no suffering, there's no sorrow, so at some point, obviously, I'll get over the fact that I've disobeyed Christ throughout my life. But God, God has actually told us to do this, and he backs it up. He actually starts it in a way that if we were having a conversation with someone uh, and they started a conversation this way, we would roll our eyes and, and kind of feel like they were being a little bit uh, uh, pretentious. I don't know. I think that's the right word, right? If someone came in and said, now listen, I'm the authority on this subject. Not only am I the authority on this subject, but I'm kind of the commander in your life. I'm in charge. I'm over you. Now, there are people in our lives who do have authority over us, but we don't like it when they just come in with that as kind of their leading comment. And Jesus, though, as he's getting ready to leave, and again, I mean, here his disciples and followers, other followers besides the 12, are here with him. And he does start by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And we know the rest of this passage, but imagine being there that day as Christ is getting ready to ascend into heaven. And we don't know what he's getting ready to say next. But he starts with, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. In, in our world and in our culture, we don't feel the weight of this like the original readers would have felt the weight of this. See, we live in a democracy and had Jesus ascended and given us this command, and after he kind of would have gone out of sight, we would have all said, okay, let's take a vote. How many of you are in favor of doing what Jesus said? Right? And, they, you know, okay, 51%, okay, then this is what we're going to do. But this is not the kind of culture that these original hearers would have heard this in. And Jesus comes and says, let's, or, or this is how this is going to be. This is what I'm telling you to do. And Jesus says this his followers that you must make disciples. And we know what this is like. Sometimes when someone says, I'm the boss and you're going to do it for me this way, uh, we expect that they are going to do it that way. 
Some of you have been the boss before. And sometimes we need to say, I'm the boss, do it this way, right? Some of you have employees. Some of you have a lot of employees. Some of you have young employees who think that they know they're going to reinvent farming as they work for you. They're going to reinvent the trucking industry, right? They've got a better way to do it than you do, right, Jerry? And, and so, or, or with our children sometimes, right? We want them to sweep the floor, but they come up with a new w- method of sweeping, which involves laying on the floor, right? And then dr- somehow dragging the broom behind them over the period of, a, you know, course of a half hour or so. And they're sweeping the floor. No, no, no. I'm the boss. I'm telling you how to do it. Uh, here's what I want. You have to do this this way. Sometimes we just have to say, I'm the dad around here. Do what I've told you to do. You don't have the option of being obedient while disobeying. Brothers and sisters, we don't have the option of being obedient and of being blessed while we disobey one of Christ's commands to us. Being a member of a church Attending a service a few times a month is not obeying Christ's command to be a disciple and to make disciples. Why do we need to make disciples? Why must we do this? And and even though there's only three verses here, there's no way for me to say everything that's packed into these three verses or all the applications and implications from these three verses this morning. But, But why must we make disciples? The reason we must is because this is God's plan for people to be introduced to him. See, discipleship is a way that one follower of Christ helps in making another follower of Jesus Christ. Now, God himself is the sovereign savior. He will save those whom he will save, but we have opportunity to join in to this uh, mission that God has Uh, um, begun and that God is carrying on and continuing, and we have the opportunity to be obedient and to be part of this mission. Evangelism is just the front end of discipleship. So we take the good message, the, the message of God's gospel, and we share it with other people, and that's how they initially become a follower of Jesus Christ, and then we teach them all that God has commanded them, right? Again, the, the front end of making disciples is, is we go, we share the gospel. And that baptizing them is the idea of bringing the gospel, um, uh, 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 sharing the gospel, the, the good news of Jesus Christ with others, and then their um, obedience to follow the Lord in baptism. This is, this is that idea of evangelism, of telling people about who Jesus is. And there may be some in here this morning who you've grown up around Christianity, or maybe you haven't grown up around Christianity. Maybe this is the first time you've ever been in church. And so for you to hear the message that, that God is the loving creator of the world. And you may or may not even agree with that, but the Bible is clear that God is the creator of the world. And there's a problem. The problem is that you and I, as his creation, have rebelled against him. We've, we've, turned, we've turned our back on him. As I've said it before, we take the crown of authority and kingship off of his head and we put it on our own. And we live our lives acting as though we're the king, as, we're, as though we're the authority. And that's sin. And our sin has to be punished. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And that death is eternal separation from God in hell. And I believe the scriptures teach that there is a real, literal, eternal hell in which conscious souls are... Um, dying for eternity. 
They're not, they're not dead where they go out of existence, but there's an eternal separation from God. And we deserve this because we have taken the crown off of his head and lived as though we were gods of the world. But God, here is where the good news comes in. God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus so that whoever would put their faith and trust in him won't have to perish but can live forever. So when you realize that you're a sinner and you repent, you turn from your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, and you call upon him to be your Lord and your Savior, he will save you. This is the message that we who know this message bring to others. This is the good news. This is the good news of the gospel. And so we want to go to those who aren't followers of Jesus Christ, and we want to say, look, stop, listen, repent, and believe. Follow Jesus Christ. That's the front part of that. That's the make disciples and baptize them. And then the second part of it is, is teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. So we, we help those who have become followers of Christ grow in their followerness of Jesus Christ. This is how God gets his work done. He uses us to make more of us. We're here this morning because God by his sovereign grace, use people to bring the message of the gospel to us. When I read this passage, I almost always think that these disciples that were gathered there that day and watched Jesus ascend and heard this message, they were obedient. And one of the ways that I know that they were obedient is because you and I are here this morning. And they shared that message with others who shared the message with others who shared the message with others who sent missionaries out to tell other people who didn't know about Jesus. I mean, you realize that Jesus, or that Christianity did not originate in the Bible Belt of North America, right? I mean, we, we were the mission field that missionaries came to and shared the gospel with, and now we get to be part of this eternal plan. This is how God gets his work done. So it's critically important that you are part of this. People don't know Christ, and they are going to hell. And we need to feel the weight of this. And sometimes we even feel the impossibility of this, don't we? We share the gospel with someone, and we think, how, how can I convince them? How can I, I, I can see that there's no light on, on the inside. And brothers and sisters, remember this, and a, a friend of mine shared this with me years ago. I, rem, I remember uh, sharing the gospel with a young man years ago. Uh, this is when I was, I, I was in college sharing the gospel with a guy, and uh, he clearly understood what I was explaining to him. And he just said, no, I'm, I'm not interested. And I remember thinking, yeah, so like, okay, what do I do now? But I, I do remember thinking, okay, like, obviously I'm not explaining it right. Because, man, if you understood what I'm telling you, you, you would repent and you would believe. Like, so I remember going to a friend of mine, and explained uh, a man who was older than me, um, and uh, saying, man, like, help me, help me know. And so I explained to him how I explained the gospel to him, and he said, no, that's, that's how you explain the gospel to someone. And he said this to me, he said, Jeremy, God calls you and me to be the servants of other men. God is the Savior of men. You're the servant to men. God is the Savior of men. So brothers and sisters, what we do, whether it's through the, the front part of discipleship called evangelism or what we call discipleship proper as the, after someone has been converted and now we're helping them grow, whether it's evangelism or sanctification, 
God is the one who's doing that work, and we get to be along for the ride. We're the messengers. We're the tools that God uses. So you must make disciples, but not only must you make disciples, and here's where uh, it's incredibly encouraging and hope-giving. Not only can you, but you must. Or not, not only uh, must you, but you can. That brings us to point number two. You can make disciples. This is something that God has empowered. And we're kind of skipping through the meat of this passage here, verse 19 and the first part of verse 20. And let's jump down to that very last phrase in verse 20. It says this, And I am with you always. I am with you always. And I've used this kind of illustration before, right? If you, if you were in... Um, uh, if you were in a dark alley late at night and you saw some scary dudes walking toward you, uh, and you know there's three of them and you're in a tight alley and there's just no, no way for you to get out, you, you might be inclined, like me, to be fearful, right? to be a little bit worried. But imagine, and, and I, I'm not a fan of, of the um, like, uh, ultimate fighting and mixed martial art fighting and that sort of thing, but... Um, so I, I can't use names, but like imagine that you had with you the world champion prize boxer or fighter with you. And he said, look, don't worry, man. Don't worry. Like I, I'm with you always, even to the end of this alley. You'd be like, okay, all right. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so, or how about this? What if Jocko Willink was with you? I almost kind of wish I could that play out that scenario someday. Um, right, you would, you would realize, okay, like there's, there's a challenge, but I'm not, I'm not worried because a guy who has faced far greater challenges, is, he's promised to be with me. And if I was by myself doing this thing, this, this is not my natural state, right? Like I'm not good at fighting. I'm not good at de-escalating threats. This is not, this is a challenge that's way beyond my capacity. I'm not good at this sort of thing. But someone who has already proven himself to be the greatest in the universe has promised to be with you. So brothers and sisters, I know, look, I, I can, I mean, I can hear your thoughts that some of you are like, well, Jeremy, your personality is just kind of given toward disciple making, but that's not my personality. That's not where my gifts lie. That's not my thing. I'm going to let other people make disciples. I'm going to let people like you, Jeremy, make disciples, and I'm going to do other things in the church. And what I want to say to you is this, while some of us may have different capacity for obeying God in certain, there, there is gifting that God has given us that shines out in different ways within the church, and that's exactly what we need. But this isn't one of those things where some of you get to do it and some of you don't get to do it. Because God, who is, uh, has promised his own strength, his own power, his own presence to be with you so that you can face the thing that you think, I'm not good at this. I'm not sure I can do this. And God is saying, I am with you to the end of the age. Jesus, who has all authority and who has commissioned us with this mission, has also promised everything we need to get the mission done. Do you ever feel like you're in the world, but God isn't there? Like you're the only person at your work that's a Christian? You're, you're, you're at a family reunion and most of your family isn't a Christian. You just kind of feel like the outsider. Brothers and sisters, God has promised to be with you 
always. This is better than the champion boxer being with you in the alley. This is better than Jocko being with you as you face some kind of physical threat. This is better than that, infinitely better than that. What this does for you, brothers and sisters, spiritually and emotionally, on the inside, this lets you breathe a sigh of relief and stand up straight and think, okay, I'm not naturally gifted to do that. This is not my jam. This is not what I would be inclined toward, but it is a command, and God's promised to be with me. So to some degree, I am going to obey this command. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that phrase there at the end of verse 20 even to the end of the age or to the end of the age, that's where we get the assurance that this was meant for all of Christ's followers and not just the original 12. To the end of the age, Jesus is saying, to the end of this era, to the end of this time on earth, not just until you disciples die and are no longer around, to the end of this age, I'm going to be with those who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. I'm with you always, even to the end, of the age. Christ then, in John chapter 14, um, obviously preceding this passage, but we can remember that Christ has already promised to do something after he leaves, and I'm sure the disciples aren't even cognitive of exactly what this is going to be or what this is going to look like, but in John chapter 14, verse 16, we know that uh, Christ had promised um, to send the Holy Spirit, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jumping down to verse 26. But the helper, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. So, Jesus Christ here is promising to be, in, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is promising to be with you, and he's promising to send this helper, the Holy Spirit, to strengthen you, to be in you, I, and will be in you, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. So you have the power of God behind you. Have you ever done something based on the authority of someone else? When, years ago, when I worked at Bob Jones University um, for three years, uh, I had the privilege of being uh, the assistant to the president. And so I was the president's administrative assistant. Sounds really big and important and awesome. Um, the, the, uh, the reality of that job was this. I was absolutely nobody. I really wasn't. But I was the assistant to whom? The president. And so on, on regular occasions, I would go to someone there within the university family, and I would say, hey, um, the president has asked me to see uh, that this project gets accomplished. And it w- you know what was amazing? Projects got accomplished. I mean, things got done Events were coordinated and organized and done. There was all sorts of things that happened. And it would be foolish for me to stand back and go, you know what, the reason that these things happened is because of me. I'm the president's administrative assistant, and the reason these people kind of jumped when I said jump was because of some kind of intrinsic authority. Not whatsoever. 
The reality is that I would come and say, could you please do such and such for me? And they knew that it wasn't for me that I was asking them. It was for the president. I had authority backing me, and that authority is what was accomplishing. I was just a messenger. I was just the one. Brothers and sisters, when we make disciples, all we are are messengers. We're going, we're moving toward other people with the truth of Jesus Christ. And again, whether it's in evangelism or sanctification, we're bringing the message to other people. And we're saying, hey, let me encourage you to believe this thing. And they might think, well, who are you? And you can say, I'm nobody. But backing me is all authority on heaven and earth. Let me show you, using the scriptures, let me tell you about the one whose message I have come here with. Brothers and sisters, you, you can do this. You can, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the word of God you have all power that you need to do what God has called you to do. Brothers and sisters, we are, we are called to be disciple makers. Um, and the reason that I put there, Jay, can you go back to the main point? Um, the, the reason that I put the half slash get, you have to make disciples, you get to make disciples. So much of that, brothers and sisters, really is dependent on our understanding of what it is that God is calling us to do, right? If I said, uh, okay, you're going to come to my house this afternoon, and you have to eat ice cream. You'd be like, oh, what are you talking about? I have to eat ice cream. I get to eat ice cream. That's, I mean, that's something, that's a good thing. That's the kind of thing I would want to be involved in anyway. For the, for the follower of Jesus Christ who understands what we talked about last week, the, the beauty and the glory of being a follower, for the person who sees Jesus for who he is, it is easy for them, it makes sense to them to share him with other people. And we're going to do that in different ways, and we're going to have different capacity, and we're going to have different fruit and results. To some, God gave one talent, and to some, God gave two talents, and to some, God gave five talents. And, but they were all responsible to take their talents and to use them for the purposes of Christ. And the one person, even the person who only had one talent, if you bury it and don't use it, Jesus is saying, you're, you're disobeying me. I'm giving all of you this command. And some of you are going to have, your list is going to have 5, 10, 12 disciples that you're discipling. And other people may have one name on their list. Praise God that God would use you to help one person become a follower of Jesus Christ and grow in their ability to follow Jesus Christ. And I just, um, I feel like I'm constantly kind of trying to push against this notion that disciple making is done by a certain kind of person in a certain kind of way. And you have to have a really outgoing kind of magnetic, charming personality where people want to be around you, right? Jordan Moore. Right? You have to be like Jordan, outgoing, bubbly, friendly. Everybody loves Jordan. Everybody wants to be around Jordan. Sorry, Matt. I picked Jordan. <laughs> he does too, he said. He wants to be around Jordan. Right? And so she's got this kind of personality. And then it's got to look like a Tuesday, Monday evening Bible study where, you know, everybody's around tables and they have books in there. And that's what discipleship. And you might go, well, I mean, I'm just not that kind of person. But has God given you children? If God has given you children if, and those names weren't on your list, then shame on me for not helping you understand that your first... Here, here's a helpful way for you to think about discipleship. 
um, you think, I, I don't know who to disciple. S- start like this. If you it, um, think of, I think, I think I'm using the right phrase, concentric circles that radiate out. Am I, is that the right phrase, concentric circles? Okay. Um, who, who is closest to you? If you're, if you're um, a husband and you have a wife, it's your responsibility to be the spiritual leader there. If you're a parent and you have children, it's your responsibility to be discipling your children. If you're a grandparent and you have grandchildren, disciple your grandchildren. If you are, um, uh, if you uh, work in a context where there are other people, well, there's an opportunity for you to disciple other people. If you have neighbors that live around you, and some of you don't, some of you live <laughs> in the in the uh, in the wild wild west of the west, right? But think think in terms of concentric circles. Who has God in his sovereignty, in his wisdom, put in your life? And so here's, so, so, so you can start thinking, through who am I supposed to disciple? And then how am I supposed to disciple them? Here's, here's the number one thing that you need to do. You need to look at Jesus. You need to be a follower of him. And I know I'm hearkening back to last week's um, uh, message. You can go and listen to that or, or watch that. But the best thing that you can do to make other followers of Jesus Christ is for you to be a really good follower of Jesus Christ. And so like I accidentally make followers of Jocko Willink because during the week I'm listening to his podcast, or maybe I'm reading his book, or maybe I'm watching a YouTube video, and then I'm with Matt and Will or with my son Jay, and I'm like, hey, uh, I, this is a really cool thing that I learned. Like I'm just, I'm not thoughtful about, okay, now how will I, what, what are the methods by which I'm going to make followers of Jocko? There's nothing wrong with, with make, if you're a disciple maker and you're very structured and you think of it that way, great. But what I'm doing is I'm just following and I'm thinking and I'm listening and I'm watching and I'm learning and I'm loving and then I'm sharing it with everyone around, you, around me. In the simplest way possible, brothers and sisters, that's discipleship. You just follow Jesus Christ with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength and then share it with other people. And brothers and sisters, there is only one perfect disciple maker. There's only one perfect disciple maker. I, I kind of wanna, I kind of wanted you to feel the conviction, but here, here at the end, I want to give you encouragement and let some of the, the steam out of the room, let some of the pressure off. None of us are going to be perfect disciple makers, but let's fall forward. That's a phrase that I like to use. I think of that in the terms of my own life and my own ministry so often. I know I'm going to fall, but I want to fall forward. I, wanna f- I, I know I'm going to fall, but at least I'm trying to move in the right direction. And if I fall, I want to face plant and not land on the back of my head, right? Because I, was, I wasn't moving. I wasn't doing anything. Brothers and sisters, when it comes to discipleship, let's realize there was one perfect disciple maker, Jesus Christ. And as he has throughout history made disciples, we are part of the glory of that. We're, we're part, we're the current result of Jesus Christ successfully making followers of himself. And let's join in. Let's be the best disciple makers that we can be. It is the reason why God has left us here on the earth so that we can now take this message to other people and help them grow. So that list that you started uh, with this morning. It may have been more convicting um, for some than others. Maybe there were no names. Maybe you thought, man, there's just, so, so here's what I want to encourage you to do. What, if there's no name on that list, who, who is someone that should be on that list? Just a spouse, your children, a next door neighbor that you interact with, a grandchild that you need to interact with. I mean, it, yeah. Um, and so, and so, so who can I be investing in now? How will I do it? 
There's a lot of different strategies that we can employ. There's all kind of books written on discipleship, and they're wonderful. They're good. I've read a lot of them and, and would encourage you to read many of them. But the number one thing, the number one most important thing for you to do in order to make disciples is to be a disciple of the only perfect disciple maker, Jesus Christ. If you bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to invite the music team to come back up now. We're going to close with just a moment of reflection, and then, uh, and then uh, we'll sing, and, and Will will come and close our service. Are you obeying? Are you making disciples? Who are you discipling? How, how are you discipling? I want to I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to, to be obedient. To be obedient to the work that Christ has commanded you to obey. To be a disciple maker of Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning and maybe, maybe you're convicted about your own followership, maybe you're here this morning and you, you're like, Jeremy, I'm, I'm not a follower. I'm actually not even a disciple. Don't leave here this morning without putting your faith in Christ, turning from your sin and, and putting faith in Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior by, by following Him. And there are many of us who would be very happy to visit with you and pray with you and talk with you after the service. And so if you're here this morning and you want someone to talk with you or pray with you about that, please see me or one of the other pastors um, and we'll get you pointed in the right direction. We'll spend as much time as you need to make sure that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. For many of us in here, we need to be reminded of the good news of the gospel that though we fail regularly, we are forgiven in Christ and we can, out of a heart of love for Him, make disciples of others. If you're here this morning and your love for Christ has grown cold, you've not been the follower that Christ would call you to be, then let me encourage you today to make that right with Him and to renew your desire and your efforts to follow Him. And then, if you're not making disciples, if there's no one on that list... Let me encourage you to remember what Christ has called and commanded you to do to make disciples. Let me encourage you to take just a moment um, to do business with the Lord. So I'm going to ask the music team to just play through the first verse of His mercy is more. And I, we'll, we'll spend a moment praying. And then after that first verse, uh, Lydia, if you'd invite us to stand and we'll stand and sing. And then Will will close our service.